Hi there. I, I'm just having my, my morning coffee and as you do, you start thinking. And I was remembering an incident a couple of weeks ago when Key and I were out for a walk. We met some people and got chatting, socially distanced, of course. And um, at one point when the guy was talking about somebody, he said, of course, as the good book says, God helps those who help themselves. And just as I'm having my coffee here, I'm thinking, does the good book actually say that? Is it in the Bible? Where is it? Well, the reality is, of course, it's not. It's not here. It's not in the Bible at all. Its origins lie in ancient Greece. It was made popular in the USA by Benjamin Franklin. And it's become very popular over there. Apparently, 80% of Americans um, think it is in the Bible. And uh, it ties in with the American dream. But of course, here as well in the UK, our Presbyterian work ethic means this is something that appeals to us as well. But it's just not there in the good books, in, in the good book. So God helps those who help themselves. I think we could consign this to First Imaginations 2021. And you would say, well, so what? what? What's the problem? Well, in some ways, there are subtle issues here. In others, it's more dangerous. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, it messes with the divine order. See, it puts the emphasis on us doing something right. You know, if I can get myself right, then God will appreciate my efforts and help me. And it sounds good. But if I become my source of help, if I'm my first port of call, it means God is secondary. And the Bible's clear. I can only get saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2.8. And it says, and even that faith isn't mine. It's a gift from God, so we can't boast. So it's got to be God first. And this ties in with Wayne's recent teaching on the principle of first. The second problem I have with it, 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 for me, it messes with God's love. The Bible's clear. God acts out of compassion. Jesus never demanded that people do something first before he would help them. Well, he might say, stretch out your hand as he did to the man with the withered hand. But in fact, what the Bible does say is God helps the helpless, not the self-helpers. God specializes in doing for us what's impossible for us to do for ourselves. And God's help is not dependent on me. I love Exodus 14, 14. It says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So that's the second issue. So for me, it messes with the divine order. It messes with God's love. And the other issue I have is that it encourages some people to think they can do it. it can, it's like a try harder sort of theology. People try and behave better. They try and pray harder. They try and do more good deeds so they can earn God's approval, deserve his love, and even his acceptance and salvation. It's almost as if the cross isn't enough. But the Bible's clear. It says, my righteousness is like filthy rags, but through the cross, and not through me helping myself, but through the cross, I'm accepted in Christ, I'm adopted in God's family, and I'm 100% loved by God. And it even says he qualifies me to share in the inheritance of the saints, Colossians chapter 1. See, there's only one saviour and he doesn't need my help. So th there's three issues right away. So does this mean I just put my feet up and float through my Christian walk? Well, of course not. 
God's got plenty for us to do. But the point is this, the Bible says God has prepared good works for me to do, and we should do them. But they're his good works. He planned for me to be done in partnership with him. And these good works flow from a grateful heart because he's already saved me. He's already blessed me. He's already accepted me. I'm doing these things not to earn his favor, but out of a grateful heart. Now, maybe some of this is a subtle difference, but I hope you can see it's got enormous consequences. So what are we to do with this? And sayings like this one, because there's lots of sayings like this. Well, let me end with part of Romans 12 and verse 2 from the Message Translation of the Bible. It says this, Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Don't just fit in to the culture. Don't just accept it. So I just want to leave you with two thoughts as to what we need to do. Number one, know your Bible. Does the good book actually say it? Are you clear on what God's done for you? And secondly, don't just accept current culture and sayings. Check your Bible. Is it in the good book? And if it's not, set it aside. Leave it to First Imaginations 2021 and let the culture have it back. I hope this thought's been helpful for you today. God bless you. Hiya. Uh, I just want to tell you how God has changed my life um, and why in 2010 I gave my life to the Lord. From the age of about 26, which is only a few years ago, I was having symptoms of paralysis, um, bladder problems, slurred speech, constant tiredness, and finding it hard to think. It wasn't until around the year 2000, after a brain scan, I was diagnosed with MS. I was devastated, as was my family. But we learned to live with it. And it was no live with it as you know as, as best we could really. I had to learn to inject every day. And my legs got sore, my arms, my stomach, as I've trying to find new places all the time. It changed our life. We had to plan trips out and holidays carefully with plenty of loose stops, etc. I'll spare you the details. Our son Chris started going to PCF, to the youth club. And, you know, and then he started going to church on Sundays. We thought Sundays were for lying in bed and reading the papers. They are, right? We went now and again just to watch him as either in a play or a panto or doing something at the church. We'd go and support him. And he decided to give his life to the Lord. We went and watched him get dunked in a pool. But we still didn't get it. Thought he joined a cult. After several years of commuting to and from 
and constant nagging to come, I decided to go with him, just to shut him up. I was pleasantly surprised though, a lovely warm welcome, tea and cake afterwards, wonderful. And after a few weeks, my son was off to faith camp. He'd been the year before and enjoyed it. He asked, Mum, would you come along with us? Let's have a little holiday. So I thought, why not have a break? Should be fun. So I said, why not? Bubby stayed at home, trundling, but looking forward to his little peace and quiet, his little holiday. It was great when we got there, tent up, campfires, glass of red. This was the life. Each day there was um, a theme or a subject. Same theme for adults, teenagers, young ones, just modified it to the, the age group. I was loving it, and although I believed in God and Jesus, I didn't know them. I didn't know them personally. One night at the evening seminar, it was about healing. We were all in rows. Um, Mike and Lorna Hughes looked after me, and. Um, they just got us all in a circle, like six people in a circle, and then each person went in the centre and everybody prayed for them, which was fine. I felt a bit of a numpty. And all of a sudden, the name come up in lights. And I thought, oh no, Deborah better go to the back of the auditorium. I thought, park my car in the wrong place, I've done something wrong, or, you know. And when it gets to the back, Chris is there. He's in tears. Went, what on earth's the matter? He said, Mum, he said, I've just seen a picture of your brain. I thought, oh, I've got one. <laughs> he said, I've just seen a picture of your brain and all the scarring on the brain was dissolving. Said, and I've, I've asked the, um, the pastor to um, pray for you and he said no you can do it yourself go and pray for your mum you know you've seen you've had the vision you pray for her so he said so I'm here to pray for you so I said oh, okay then and he was only this big at the time so he was up there at me <laughs> and he brought um, the drill and mat oh, God, I can't forget and um, Big Will was stood behind me. And as he started praying, I just felt this sudden rush through my body. And I fell back, I just fell right back into Will's arms and I just slithered onto the floor. And I was crying, sobbing, sobbing, just sobbing. I didn't know where it was coming from. And laughing, then I laughed, was laughing uncontrollably. And I just, it felt surreal. 
I don't know, I can't explain the feeling. But it lasted what seemed like 10 minutes, but it was probably only a few minutes. And all of a sudden I, I realised I was in the middle of an auditorium with 5,000 people watching me. And I thought, I'll have to get up. So I got up and I adjusted myself and everything. And I thought, what was that? So he gave me a big hug. I said, oh, thanks, Chris. Thanks. Try. <laughs> Um, so I scuttled back to my seat, just not knowing what's going on. But I'd been on the big screen, everybody was watching me. And I'm not, I'm not one for um, drawing attention to myself. So, so anyway, the end, the end of the seminar finished, and everybody was buzzing what had happened but I didn't really know what had happened you know I was a bit confused but a bit euphoric and it was just very surreal anyway we got back to the tent and I had this pounding headache me headache it was bang bang banging and um you know everyone was please hugging me you know saying oh congratulations and sort of why but I'd experienced the Holy Spirit and it was amazing. Anyway, Andrew Allen, he just laid his head on his head, laid his hands on my head, prayed over me, and in that instant my headache went. Now I'm the last the first person that lost one, the first person, you know, say what a load of <laughs> but it happened it happened to me and I, I I can't deny it it happened to me the rush that I felt through my body was amazing it's like I don't know I just felt like I'd been cleaned from the inside out next day I didn't sleep very well because I was just um, just couldn't believe what had happened. Next day, I was full of beans. I was running, playing football, playing hockey, playing TIG. I was like a teenager. We were excited to tell Martin, my husband, if anybody didn't know. He wasn't that impressed, of course. He hadn't encountered the Lord. He just thought I'd had a nice holiday. A few eight weeks went by and I decided to give my heart to Jesus, to thank him for what he'd done. I know, I know how I felt and I felt well. So I decided to give myself to the Lord. My daily injections stopped my health improved. Martin saw the improvements in me and he thought there must be something in this. Twelve months later, he gave himself to the Lord. Who'd have thought it? Our son brought us to the Lord. 
The relationship is amazing. It's a faith. It's not a religion. Faith is a, you know, it's a faith. It's a relationship. And I thank God every day for his blessing. Although Martin's no longer with us, I know God gave me the strength to nurse him for 12 months. And I know now he's with God. He's with him. If he hadn't given himself to the Lord, God hadn't intervened. He'd have been lost. Thank you, Lord. He's amazing.